I'm going to read a passage of scripture that's found in the book of Jude. Um, in the first chapter, I'm going to read verses three and four. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Now here's why. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, everyone that I have uh, read after uh, says that the author of this book is uncertain who wrote it. And I don't know either. I know what he said. He said that he was Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and the brother of James. And uh, I know that uh, there were several men in the Bible named Judas. I know uh, that Jesus had some brothers. I know one of them was named James, and one of them was named Judas. So it doesn't make any difference to me who the man was. I believe that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I believe that at the time that he was living, which would have been in the first century, there were a group of people that were known as Gnostics. Uh, they uh, had a great influence in that period of time. Uh, they were known as uh, speculative thinkers speculative thinkers and uh, they uh, undermined the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ that was once delivered to the saints and uh, so uh, Jude said they were before of old ordained to this condemnation now that doesn't mean that God predestined them to undermine his faith. It means that it had been written, prophesied concerning them that they would come. And they did come. And uh, so Jude wanted to strengthen um, the people of God in the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So having said those things, my lesson is I believe. I planned on teaching this last year, but uh, I don't have to explain to you why I didn't. But uh, I want to add one word to that title. I still believe. Amen. I still believe. I have an opening statement that I want to read to you. And it reads like this. I am a believer. I am a believer in God. I am a believer in the Holy Bible. God's eternal, never 
changing word. I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the songwriter said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I believe in the authority and the perpetuity of the church. The church that Jesus built. I believe in the faith, the fundamental doctrines that was once and for all time delivered to the saints. And that the church is the pillar and the ground of that truth. It is the foundation and the support of the truth that Jesus spoke. And therefore, we are admonished to earnestly contend for this faith. Now, I believe that there are people like those people, uh, people living today who are like those people that Jude wrote about who undermine the truth of God's Word. And it seems to me, if I remember correctly, it's been some time since maybe anyone uh, spoke specifically concerning the uh, principal doctrines of the faith. And so I just wanted to remind you today, this is uh, perhaps a little different, But in my lesson, uh, I want to start with the very same place that everything began, and that is with God. I'm not talking about a God. I'm not talking about your God or your God. I'm talking about the God. He is the creator of all things. Psalms chapter 90 says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were formed or ever thou hadst created the world. From everlasting to everlasting thou art God. And I believe that. I believe that God created all things. I believe that God is a spirit. That's what Jesus said. I believe he ought to know. Jesus is the son of God. And he was in the bosom of the father before he ever came to this world. So he ought to know his father, shouldn't he? He said he's a spirit. And the psalmist said his name is Jehovah. And that means he's Lord. He's Lord over all. And he is God Almighty. Almighty God. Uh, God's presence fills eternity. We read in the book of Psalms, the fifty-seventh chapter of the Isaiah. I'm sorry, Isaiah, fifty-seventh chapter of Isaiah, where the Bible refers to God as He that inherit, uh, He that inhabiteth eternity. 
That's eternity past. Before there was anything else, there was God. And even the present eternity, he is still God. God. Eternity is going on even though you and I are living in time. And he will be forever in eternity past. And um, so uh, he is uh, eternity future. I'm sorry. Uh, he is omnipotent. Now, I know, I'm, I know you know these things, but I'm, on, I'm just giving you a little refor- refresher course. He is omnipotent. That is, he is unlimited in power. Amen. There is nothing, the songwriter said, there is nothing, no nothing that my God can't do. Well, maybe there is one thing. He cannot lie. The Bible said, let every man, or let God be true and every man a liar. Regardless what any man says or or any um, opposition that any man takes uh, to God, you can... Believe this, God is the one that's right. So, he is not only omnipotent, he's omniscient. He knows everything. The Bible tells us that he knows the end from the beginning. He knew the end from the beginning. Not only that, But the Bible says he can see in the darkness as well as in the light. You can't even hide from God. He knows where you're at every moment of of time. He's never been surprised about anything. Never been surprised. And there's none of us that can tell him anything. He knows all about us, and he knows much more than we know. And he is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. Now, I'm not going to tell you I understand that, but I know it's the truth. I know it's the truth. He's everywhere at all times. And you can't go any place where God is not there. I believe in the Bible account of creation. Now that's being disputed. You know that, don't you? It's being disputed. But that doesn't mean that it's not true. I also believe in true science. But I will not accept anything as being true that contradicts the Bible. Paul mentions, in fact, he warns us against false teachers and false prophets and false signs. Um, During this pandemic, you know, science has changed from day to day. They tell us one thing one day, oh, this is the science. The next day, it's something different. Now, that's false science. 
And Timothy warns us of that. Our, our Paul did warn Timothy and us. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, he said. Avoid profane babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith, uh, erred concerning the faith. So uh, I believe the Bible account. I want you to know that I believe what the Bible says. I believe that God spoke the world into existence. I believe God made everything that's in the world. And I don't plan on changing. I believe God made the first man. And God made him a spirit being. He is a spirit being. And I'll try to explain that by in this way. God made man a twofold being. He made his body out of dust. And then he breathed into the nostrils of that lifeless form and man became a living soul. He didn't become a living body, but he became a living soul. Amen. And he lived in the body. And when a man dies, his soul leaves his body. And his body uh, is left lifeless. But his soul continues to live. Amen. And everything, you know, the mind, the heart, you know, Everything about man that is not body is a part of the soul. It's spiritual. It's spirit. It's spiritual. So, man became a living soul. He made him that way for a reason. Remember I said that God is a spirit? He made man a spirit being so he could have fellowship with him. Amen. And so the man could have fellowship with God. Amen. I believe that when God made man, he made him a free agent. God did not predetermine what Adam would do. He didn't predetermine his actions and he did not uh, predetermine his reactions. Amen. Adam had the freedom to choose what he would do and so did Eve and so do you. Jesus, now you may disagree with this, and that's all right. I hope you don't. Jesus is the only person whose destiny was predetermined before he was born. The only one. And Jesus 
determined that himself. Adam had sinned, and the Lord Jesus, before the earth was ever formed, in the council halls of glory, in the council of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Jesus volunteered to come to this world and become our Savior. Die on the cross. Pay the sin debt for those of us, all of us who cannot pay it ourselves. We didn't have anything to pay it with, but Jesus sure did. He became a surety for the covenant of grace. Israel entered into a covenant with God and it was a covenant of works, and it didn't work out too good. The Bible said if it had been perfect, there wouldn't have been any need for any other covenant. You can't work your way into heaven. You're saved by grace through faith. All right. I want to say I believe the prophets... I believe the prophecies of the Old, State, uh, Old Testament were more than just predictions and opinions of men. Amen. I believe holy men of God spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what the Bible says, and that's why I believe that. Amen. They were messengers from God to Israel that he had not forgotten them. You, you know how many years it was between the time that God promised uh, Adam and Eve that he would put enmity between the seed of uh, the devil and the seed of Eve? Hundreds of years passed, and that promise was not fulfilled. But every once in a while, a prophet would mention it Amen. in one form or another. And it'd be a reminder of them that God's word is still true. Amen. The gospel, according to Isaiah, chapter 53, and I call it gospel because I believe it is gospel. Is a good example. But the prophets also provided for us a history that is invaluable in understanding the transition from the old dispensation of the law to the new dispensation of grace. Amen. And we need to know that. Amen. I thought about when John before John the Baptist was born, or maybe after he was born, and, uh, his father was speaking under the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, he reminded him that God had not forgot his promise. God had not forgot his promise. 
All right. I believe that the one God manifests himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to say in every conversion, every conversion, the one God is active in all three persons. Amen. The Father who loves us draws sinners to Jesus, the Savior, by means of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit, He can, does the convicting and he does the quickening, and he's the one who gives the assurance. Amen. I believe that happens in every conversion. Amen. We're born of the Spirit, and because we're sons, God sends forth his Spirit into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He gives us the assurance. I believe that you can know that you're saved. I believe the plan of salvation was foreordained, as I've already said, by the determinate counsel of God. And there is no respect of persons with God. The Bible says that God would have all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, therein is the plan of salvation. Therefore, I reject the idea of a limited atonement. Amen. John said that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. And he said not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. And folks, I don't leave out anybody. Amen. Jesus tasted death for every man. Amen. I want to read this. I'm doing pretty good on time. This is the fourth article of the New Hampshire Confession of Faith. And it's entitled of the... Freeness of salvation. I want you to listen to it. Yeah, I know you've read it. You can probably quote it. We believe that the, blessing of, the blessings of salvation are made free to all by the gospel. That it is the immediate duty of all to accept them by cordial, penitent, and obedient faith. And that nothing prevents the salvation 
of the greatest sinner on earth, but his own inherent depravity and voluntary rejection of the gospel. And when he does that, it involves him in an aggravated condemnation. Jesus said, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now I want to say this. God has a determinate will with regard to the plan of salvation. And regarding everything else as far as that is. It cannot be altered in any way. The plan of salvation is by grace. It's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, having said that, God also has a permissive will, which allows for the free agency of man. The Lord is long-suffering to us, the Bible said, not willing that any should perish, However, God will allow persons who reject the gospel and die in unbelief uh, if they choose to do so. God will allow it. It's not his will. He don't want it to happen. But if people don't come to God in the, the way he prescribed in order to be saved, they could remain lost and in their sins. And so God will allow those who reject the gospel to die in their sins. Now, don't be misled. God has foreknowledge. And I've already said he's omniscient. He knows all things. But he does not predestinate everything that takes place. Amen. I've heard people, you know, they hear about someone uh, that uh, has died in a certain way, you know, and they say, well, I guess that's, that's just God's way for him to die. Now, God don't choose the way for you to die. And I won't go no further with that. I'll just leave it. I believe in grace. Amen. Where sin abounds, Paul said, grace does much more abound. I believe that salvation is holy by grace. Ab absolutely, completely, and totally by the grace of God. I believe also in works. 
but not to obtain salvation. Some teach salvation by grace, but it has to be maintained by works. Now, folks, that's not true. I believe in maintaining good works because there's a world of lost sinners who are in darkness. And we need to be harmless and blameless, the sons of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. That's why we need to be active and working for the Lord because there's people out there that need to be saved. I also believe in heaven. Heaven is a paradise. I mean, it's a paradise. Jesus went to heaven, and I'm going to heaven. He said in the 14th chapter of John that he wanted all of his disciples, and that's not just the 12, all of his disciples to be with him where he is. And he said he's going to come back and get us that we might be with him where he is. So I have no doubts whatsoever. I got saved on uh, October the 10th, 1946. And I've not had a doubt since then about whether I was going to heaven or not. The Lord has blessed me lots of times and uh, gave me the assurance and reassurance and just confirmed it over and over again that by His grace, not by my works, that I was going to heaven. I want to talk about this just for a minute. I'm almost done. I believe in hell. You know, there's a lot of people that don't believe in hell. There are a lot of people that have changed religions so they could get away from the doctrine of people dying and going to hell. I know some personally. They just couldn't stand the idea of anybody dying and going to hell. And so they changed to a religion that teaches nobody goes to hell. You know. And that's pitiful. That's pitiful. All right. I believe in hell. I believe hell is a place of incarceration and punishment. I've told you all this before, I think. I was coming home from Detroit one night. I'd preached up there in a revival. It was on Saturday night. I was headed back to Bowling Green. And I found this preacher preaching on the radio. And I liked what he was saying. And he got to talking about hell. And he said, I hate hell. He said, you want to know why I hate hell? He says, there's no exits. There's no way to get out. It is incarceration. 
and it is punishment. The Bible said that in hell there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to read this verse from 1 Thessalonians, uh, beginning at verse 7. And he, and he, Paul the writer, and he said, When Jesus comes to be admired in his saints, he will take vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord? Now that's what Paul said, and I believe it. I believe hell's real. And I believe we need to be warning people to get right with God. I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I know he is. I am just thankful that I'm prepared and ready to go. Now, I know I didn't tell you anything that you haven't heard before. I'm sure of that. But uh, I want to encourage us. Let's don't let those who are trying to undermine the word of God even make a small impression on us. We need to earnestly contend for the faith. And um, that means that we are to promote it and we are to defend it. Stand up for it and to do it with all of our might, all of our soul, mind, and strength because the truth is the only thing that will set men free. Thank you all for listening to me today. Um, Thank you for inviting me to speak. Remember me in your prayers.